Thank you, Connie. And I suspect everyone over the age of 30 at least knew what that song was, right? Well, if you want to make your way into Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, we're going to read just a few verses, but a couple thoughts to get our minds turning. Incidentally, you know, some people I think it's natural to be in front of others. Uh, it is not for me, and as I sat there this morning talking about nervous, I got more and more and more nervous. And having done this hundreds of times uh, over these last uh, 40-some years, I still get nervous. And I, there's something about it. You know, I love to play guitar. Merlin and I occasionally, not as much as we used to. Uh, I don't play well. But I can play through a song sitting in my living room at home and pretty much get through the whole song without too many mistakes. The few times that I've tried it before people, my hands begin to do this, and my knees are comparable. And it simply doesn't work. There, there's nothing natural about being before people. So... Why don't we ask the Lord to uh, quiet my heart and <coughs> enlighten your minds. Can we take just a minute? Father, as we spend these moments together in your word, we want to first acknowledge that this is your word. And our heart is that you would speak to us through it. And I pray that you take these stammering lips, inadequate though they may be, and Lord, fill them, enlighten them with your spirit, and for the hearts of those listening, the same. Lord, we commit this hour to you, and in the end, we want it to be all to the glory of Christ, and we want it to be the, to the encouragement of his body, your church. It's in his name we ask. Amen. You know, every culture, almost without exception on earth, has some understanding of a place of uh, eternal bliss, what we would call heaven. And if you read through the ancient cultures, for instance, the Greeks had a place they called Elysium, or the uh, something about the islands. And the interesting thing about Greek culture is that, that the parameters of their heaven, their Elysium, and how to get there kept changing. So the target kept changing as the years went by, uh, which made it a little tough if you were involved in Greek mythology. Uh, Homer said, though, it was a place of perfection without work or strife. Well, I believe without strife is right, but would heaven be heaven if there were no work? You know, I see these young folks on the front. If I were to sit down and talk to Charlie a little bit, which I won't do at the moment, but if we were to start talking about heaven, I'm pretty sure I know the images that would come to his mind. What do you think of when you think of heaven? If you put into your computer a search and just do images of heaven, what do you think comes up? These images, very ethereal, otherworldly, wispy kind of images come up. Clouds. Charlie, is that pretty close to what you think of? And it's always clouds. Because it's up there, and there are clouds up there. Oh, it's blue sky. But I don't know about you, but I'm tired of clouds. 
Are you? I'm tired. I want to see blue sky and sunshine and 70 degrees. I'm tired of clouds. And sometimes the image of heaven that we see, have you ever seen images of somebody sitting back floating around on a cloud? Does that sound inviting to you? Do you think that's where God is going to put us for eternity? To float around on a cloud in this wispy kind of never-never land? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. You know, the Hindus believe in reincarnation. And I think the reason they believe in reincarnation, because they hope, after a million or so times, that they will become eternal. And really, the, the belief in reincarnation is a longing for the eternal. It's because they don't want to believe that when the casket closes, life is over. So they, they cling to reincarnation, and these multiple reincarnations, and, and their belief is that someday, somehow, they merge into Godhead. I, I, don't ask me how all that works. I just know it's true. If your karma is good on earth, then somehow you become God. Well, we have the benefit of the description of heaven a very real, tangible place called heaven, from the maker of heaven. So I, I think it's good that we spend these few moments thinking about uh, heaven from the one who knows it best, the one who created it. You know, the, the Bible is full of references to heaven, pretty much cover to cover. There are allusions to it, there are direct references to it. Uh, I have spoken at a number of memorial services and funerals, too many, more than I care to. Not that I dread funerals, because at the funeral of a believer, it's a celebration, but just I hate to see my friends leaving. But there is a, a passage that I have read so many times, and you've heard so many times in those settings. It is the words of the Lord Jesus, where he said, John 14, Do not let your, heart, your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, depending on what Bible you have, it will say mansions, dwelling places, or rooms. But in my Father's house are many places that he says that I have gone to create for you, to make for you, to build for you. And he says, if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. Those are comforting verses. That the Lord Jesus has already gone ahead and is preparing a place, a room, and it will be great for us. I read through the book of Hebrews over the years many times, and when I enter into chapter 11, the great uh, <coughs> heroes of the faith, I, I find these verses tucked in there. It says of them, it describes them, it says they desired a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They desire a better country. Do you desire a better country this morning? A perfect country. Philippians, Paul tells us that our citizenship, or our homeland, is in heaven. He tells us again in Colossians to set our mind on things above and not on things below. You know, there's an old saying that you used to hear from time to time that people were so heavenly minded they were of no earthly good. Did you ever hear that? Do you know anybody that is so heavenly minded 
that there's no earthly good? Do you know a few people who are so earthly minded that there's no heavenly good? Isn't that our bigger problem? Isn't that Phil's bigger problem and Charlie's bigger problem and the rest of our bigger problem? That we're so consumed with earth that we're of no heavenly good. We're so consumed with this life that we're of little value to the life beyond. Well, we think too little of heaven, not too much. And this morning, for these moments, I trust we're going to think together of heaven. I want you to read with me as I read through just the first eight verses of Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I'm just going to pause there for one second and say, first of all, it was a very real, tangible place that he was seeing. A new heaven and a new earth, just like this heaven and this earth exists, there will be a new heaven and a new earth that will exist in a very real, tangible, physical way. And we'll talk more about that next week. This morning I want to talk about the people of heaven, and next week I'd like to talk about the place of heaven. Because it is an amazing place, and it is a very real place. Uh, and the, the idea of no more sea, I've thought about that. What's the sea represent? The sea represents the unknown, doesn't it? It represents danger, especially to the people to whom he wrote. It was, it was going out into something that they, they couldn't control in the vastness of it and the, the separation that it represented. And they, uh, they are now picturing a land with no sea, no more of that, no more danger, no more of the unknown. Those things have passed away. Then read on to verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. <coughs> and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Do you see how many times the word with was used there to show that there is this togetherness between us and God at that point? That he's going to be our God and we're going to be with him, with him, with him. We're going to be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What I'd like to do here is kind of organize this in our minds as good as I did, is thinking about who will not be in heaven first. 
And we're going to primarily look at verse 8. And then to look at who will be in heaven. We're going to pick out a couple verses out of there to talk about who will be in heaven. Who will not, and who will be. You know, John Lennon, I can't get the lyrics of this song out of my mind. I'm sorry, but I can't. I may have mentioned it once before. But he wrote the song Imagine. How many of you know that song, Imagine? And it, there's, it's an intriguing melody. I like the song. Uh, I detest the words, but I like the song. But here's what he said. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell beneath us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. And then the chorus says, You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will live as one. Imagine all the people living for today, and that's different how. Don't most people on this earth live for today? Aren't we, by nature, consumed with today, with the things going on around us? And, and when Lennon wrote that, he said, uh, all the people living for today, how do you, want to, you want to live in a world like that? Where all the people are living for today, where there's no heaven, there's nothing beyond this earth, the meaninglessness, that sometimes fills the life on this earth? You want to live on a land that... Uh, how would you like to live in the Ukraine today? How would you like to be living in Ukraine? I've been to Kiev. Marvelous city. They have churches older than our country. And it, it, now Kiev is in upheaval. There have been, I don't know how many people killed in the square. And now that Crimea region has been taken over by a foreign land. And there's troops amassing on their borders. They don't know what's coming. Ukraine is a relatively small country compared to Russia. And there's danger on every front for them. Uh, can you imagine living in the Ukraine and thinking this is all there is? There's nothing more on this earth than this? I can't imagine it. Can you? He says imagine. I would imagine there is a heaven. And not imagine it. I want to listen to the descriptions that God gives us for gives uh, for us about heaven. Thinking about the people of heaven. Notice first who will not be there. Verse eighteen. He gives a list of of people that uh, cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. Okay, those all sound okay. So we don't have any murderers. <coughs> There are a lot of those things that we don't have here. But then he goes on and says, liars. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, all of us have, at one point in our life, been liars. And so, it, are these people perfect? What's happened? Well, he describes these people. And he gives us a, a key phrase. First of all, he says of these folks that they're unbelievers. But look in the end of that chapter. And here are the people that are going to be there, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So what's the determinant for our citizenship in heaven? The determinant is, is my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And we should go no farther than this. <coughs> Do you know for sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, your Redeemer, your Lord? Are you sure that heaven's your destiny? Because you don't want to be 
and the alternative. He says that the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, we don't hear a lot of messages about hell anymore either. I don't like to talk about hell. I don't like to think about hell. I wish it were not so. But it is. And for those who are outside Christ, hell is a very real place. And it also is a very tangible place. Uh, it's a physical place. Well, the people that aren't going to be there, the unbelievers. You know, Myrna and I last week drove through, uh, actually walked through Chapel Hill Mall. Years ago, uh, we used to go up to Chapel Hill Mall on Friday night. That was our date. Myrna's always been a cheap date. <laughs> we would go to Chapel Hill after work and we would meet there she was working at that time and I would, so we'd meet there at Chapel Hill and we'd walk around the mall for half hour or something and then we'd go get a bite to eat and that was the extent of our date she never bought anything and, but, but we enjoyed just going there when, when you go to Chapel Hill Mall today it's, it's become more like Rolling Acres Mall uh, in the last few years have you read the things that have happened around Chapel Hill Mall? Have you read the things that have happened in the parking lot and the abductions and, and uh, the molestations and the things that have happened right there in that mall? You, you know, you can't go out in a public place with safety. Why? Because the people whose unrestrained lives are described here are controlling it. And when you go in the mall, you can't open your eyes. Because on every thing, there are things to pull your mind to this world, to the immediate, to the pleasures of the moment. And it's all kinds of stuff. And, and all of these things are described in these paragraphs about this world, the people whose, whose God is the God of this age, whose values are determined in this life. And so, I don't want to be there with them. I just don't. And what's more, apart from them being transformed, changed into the image of Christ, I don't want them in heaven either. Because how would heaven be if you had the unbelieving, uh, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the faithless, the cowardly, the detestable? How, how would heaven be if they were there with us? It would no longer be heaven. So who will not be there? Well, unbelievers in a summary. Unbelievers will not be there. But who will be there? Ah, here's the good part. Look at verse 3. That verse again, I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Who's going to be there? Our God's going to be there. Can you imagine living every day in the presence of our Lord? Imagine. Isn't it a great thought? Carl, isn't it a great thought to think of living in the presence of our Lord every day? The Redeemer, the one who loved us. And then you see the descriptions of the things he says. He's going to love us forever. He says those that thirst, he's got the waters of eternal life available to them. Always available to them. Always the refreshment of coming to the Lord for whatever we need. You know, one of the, the things that, and look at verse 6 again first. Uh, he says, and he said to me, I, it's done. I'm the Alpha and Omega. No more uncertainty. Just like there's no sea, there's no uncertainty here. I'm the beginning and the end. 
And this is the end of the age as we know it. And he says, the thirsty uh, I will give from the spring of the water of life. So, the Lord is there. The Lord who is the beginning of the end. He's also called the light. He's called the temple in this chapter. But he's also called the king. He's going to be on the throne. I mentioned the Ukraine a few minutes ago. Have you been tracking in the news the situation there? Did you happen to see the dwelling place, uh, the home, the mansion of one of the former prime ministers? I think that's what they call their leader of Ukraine. Do you see any? Anybody see any images? Amazing, amazing, the luxury that this man lived in. And while the people of the Ukraine starved, he lived in this um, just amazing mansion. I mean, it was beyond anything you can imagine. And he's ruling the people. Now, where's all that money coming from? The obvious is coming from the people. He, he's taking from them so that he can live this uh, lavish lifestyle. Well, when we get to heaven, we have a God who's going to be on a throne. But you know, his thoughts have always been of us. Always been of us. And they always will be. Uh, for God so loved. He, he loved us in the past. He loves us in the present. And he'll love us in the future. That we have a perfect king. Boy, I long for a perfect king. I long for a land where we don't have to worry about politics anymore. I come to detest politics. It's hard to turn on the TV. I can't stand politics anymore. Because of the, of the derision in our country. Well, all of that's gone. Why? Because we have a perfect king. Can you imagine? You know, I've always thought that the best possible government on earth is an absolutely righteous king, isn't it? Do you think about it? Someone who can rule absolute, with absolute power, but also with the absolute knowledge of perfection and right. And he's going to reign. One of these days, the King of Kings is going to reign. I think we want to be there. Don't you? Amen. Sounds better every moment. We want to be there. So who'll be there? Our God will be there. And then, what kind of people are going to be there? Well, look first at verse 4. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. What, what, makes, what makes us cry? What makes us cry? You know, I think probably, I don't cry a lot, although it's amazing, the older you get, the easier you cry. I'm not sure the, the correlation there, but it, it happens more. But the times that I've cried in my lifetime, uh, you know what I've cried most about? I've, I've cried most about Phil. I've cried most about Phil's failures. I've cried most about the times of, of just rebellion to the Lord. That's what I've cried about. And I have. There have been tears that have flowed because of Phil. And when I read this, I think, hallelujah, oh, Phil is going to be gone. He's going to be changed into the likeness of Christ. The old nature is going to be gone. There's not going to be any more tears because there's not going to be any more old Phil. Isn't that good? Amen. Isn't that good to know that the old person is going to be gone, that will be there in perfection and sealed in that perfection forever? He's going to wipe away the tears. A lot of things bring tears. He mentioned some more. Death will be no more. 
death brings tears. <coughs> There's not going to be more mourning, not going to be any more crying. And listen to this, there's not going to be any more pain. We've got some guys here who have a lot of pain. No more pain. It's gone. Isn't that a great thought, honey? Isn't that a great thought? No more pain. The former things have passed away. And so, who's going to be there? What are the people going to be like? Well, the redeemed people, the forgiven people, the grateful people, the joyful people, the completed people, the perfected people. The forever people. That's who's going to be in heaven. <coughs> you know, I love to go places with people. I like people. I like people generally in small groups. Not too many. And I don't want them sitting looking at me. But <laughs> and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy, Vernon and I are going to make a trip here at the, near the end of the month, spring break week. And we're going to visit an old friend, Randy and Nancy Flum. And Randy and Nancy have been good friends for many years, more years than I can count. Uh, and I just look forward to seeing them. Uh, Randy is a great sport. He just has my heart. And Nancy, the same. Just ordinary folk. But you know people you just enjoy spending time with? Well, how would you like to spend time with those people when they're perfect? When all their flaws are gone? You know, Myrna would probably like me a lot better when my flaws are gone. She'll probably really enjoy my company at that point. But can you imagine living in this community together with all of our flaws gone? And and living with God's people together in community. Who will be there? Well, God will be there. And God's people will be there. I'd say to you this morning, imagine there is a heaven. Uh, And listen just to these couple words from heaven. Uh, They pick up uh, words of the Lord Jesus here. Well, let me read a couple verses here and you track with me. In verse 27, or 22 rather, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives us light, and the, lamp, and the lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. By its light will the nations walk. By its light will the nations walk. No more darkness, and no more of these castles for a king. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. <coughs> its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. No reason to lock the guard. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, I mentioned Chapel Hill, just a, not too many years ago, had his truck at Chapel Hill, and he had it loaded with tools, with his toolboxes closed, and he came out, and they're all gone. Uh, because even though they were in the, the lockbox, he hadn't locked it. I'm only going to be in there see a few minutes. I don't need to worry about it. When he came back, his tools are gone. You better lock things today. Not here. Not even any locks on the gate. Uh, no dangers there because the, the uh, nations will walk in the light of the Lord and so will all peoples. But look at verse 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written 
in the Lamb's Book of Life. In 22.12, Christ says, Behold, I come quickly. You know, I, years ago, I had a little sign that I put up in different places, just scribbled out, and it said, Will it be today? And then, I think at times, I put it on my desk, and I just put today with a question mark. Be good practice. Consider doing that. Put something prominent. Young people, put something right out where you can see it. You're young, and if it goes the way of norm, you'll live a long time. But the Lord Jesus may well come, and you should live in anticipation of it before you get my age. I hope so. I really do. Don't you feel? I hope he comes before that. But we need to live in anticipation. He says he's coming quickly. We need to live in anticipation of that coming. And then what sets in motion? The gears that turn through the last days till the time when the new heaven and the new earth come down. There's a, an old hymn that came to my mind. It says, Is my name written there? On the page white and fair. In the book of thy kingdom is my name written there. Lord, my sins, they are many, like the sands of the sea. But thy blood, O oh my Savior, is sufficient for me.